Hit it. Hey everyone, I'm Alex. I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and I'm so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 24. Nice. Right? Yes. 24 feels good too. We're almost at a quarter of 100 episodes, and it feels so good to be past the first hump where I, I felt like I was struggling, and you know that I was struggling. And it was kind of hard, but I'm so glad we pushed through because things have gotten easier with this podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something I really, really enjoy doing. So we're on a good, we're on a good path. Cheers. Cheers. And we just got back from Detroit. We did. So Shane, through his work, through the podcast that he does, Mike on Much, and through his friends with just crazy awesome connections, uh, has in the past couple of years gotten really incredible seats to Raptors games. So basketball is the only sport that I'm interested in. It's the only thing we really watch together. And Shane's tickets have been insane. Like you sat courtside last year. Yes, very lucky because we had a show on Crave called Mike on Much Presents. No. It was called Mike on Much in conversation with, and because they were trying to promote it, the idea was we would sit courtside and then Matt Devlin or Leo Routens or who's the other one? Get that garbage out of here. Jack Armstrong would do a, a live promo if they had the time. So to be funny, I thought I would wear a what is referred to as a wife beater, but I don't think it'd be referred to that anymore. A what do you call it? A tank top. I was wearing a tank top. And I was wearing gold chains like Mr. T. And I thought it'd be funny if when they did cut to me to do the promo courtside that I would just be dressed ridiculous and I have all these tattoos and I thought I'd get a good laugh. But I think because of that, they chose not to cut to us in our courtside seats for this promo. So we kind of got the courtside seats without actually fulfilling the real purpose of us getting the courtside seats. So I felt like I kind of fucked up. Yeah, that- you, you were dressed like... Uh, the trashiest white rapper of all time. It was really <laughs> hilarious, but not knowing you, I could see why they would have been scared to put you on air. Yeah, people were saying I look like a SoundCloud rapper. You did. and uh, But it was an amazing game. <laughs> they, they were playing the Milwaukee Bucks, and it was a weird game because it's the only time I think Kyle Lowry scored zero points. Yeah, that's wild. But uh, your family was watching it on TV. and uh, Oh, it was so much fun. And... It was so much fun to see you on TV sitting courtside because you did look like you were some weirdo rich guy. But ever since then, and I have not kept it a secret, I have been so jealous because not only did you sit courtside that game, but your seats when you go with your connected friends or through work are insanely good. Uh, Yet when we're paying on our own dime, I mean we are not buying those seats. So we're sitting in the bleeders, which don't get me wrong. I would rather be sitting in the nosebleeds at a basketball game than not at the basketball game. But I've been a little bit jealous. So Shane knew that. And for Christmas, he was so thoughtful and got me brand new Raptors gear to wear to an almost courtside game. So it was we- it was like I described it as courtside for the court <laughs> it was like courtside to courtside so if let's say there was a bunch of important people sitting courtside you have a courtside view of those famous people so you were right on the cusp yeah of where the really rich so people there are was like, there was courtside and then we were like the second row behind them and it was insane i have never 
sat that close to any sporting event in my life, uh, let alone the only team that I actually watch and follow with some people on it who I'm just like totally in awe of. And I act like it was crazy to me to actually see them in person and it was overwhelming because they're huge guys and they're so good at what they do. So it was so overwhelming to see them in action and be able to watch the game as it happened instead of on TV like I would at home or on the Jumbotron like I would be if I was sitting in the 300s because I just can't see that far. And you got to see your guy, Serge Ibaka. I got to see Serge Ibaka. So Serge is, if you haven't checked him out, ladies, do yourself a favor, check out Serge Ibaka. Just type it in. Serge in sweatpants might Serge, be a good... Serge Ibaka gray sweatpants is another good Google search. Spoiler alert, he has a big dong. <laughs> Legendarily. Okay, question. Yes. One night, would you rather be with Outlander or Serge? Oh, that's a good question. By the way, this is a trick question because you're supposed to say neither. I was going so to now you're cheat. Like, I was going to if you let me finish. I was going to try to trick you. And I was going to start off by saying that and then turn it, subvert your expectations and surprise you with saying neither, baby, because I'd choose you. Wow. And you stole that opportunity from me. Sorry. I should have let you finish. Yes, you should but have. But it seemed like you were about to over different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> funny thank you <laughs> uh anyway you know it's it was but a, seriously what? outlander or surge who'd Neither, you rather honey, I choose okay you. let's say i'm not an insane jealous person who okay i had never met you i was still single i'm 23 um or i get hit by a bus one of these right. both these men want you and they want to raise lucy with you what a position to be in oh well probably the outlander guy if he wants to raise lucy with me because i just feel like he'd be a better more stable partner but surge shots the, fired at surge surge for the one date i mean i don't know that he'd like be a one woman kind of man mm -hmm. if i could somehow change him i might go with him he can okay. cook. He speaks lots of languages. He's very talented at basketball. He could raise Lucy to be an NBA player. Like that would be kind of probably who it would you'd be, hope for. I'd be so proud if Lucy was the first woman in the NBA. If you got hit by a bus, would you prefer that I, uh, my second husband was an NBA player over any other career to help that raise Lucy? That would be Lucy? amazing, yes. And by the way, the only reason I'm saying Lucy making the NBA isn't because I don't think the WNBA is a great league. Because mm. I would love Lucy to be the best player in the WNBA. Making the NBA is only because they make so much more in the NBA. I know. That's why I'd want Lucy to be in that league. Yeah. Well, and Shane and I have talked about that ever since she was a baby. We were like, she's going to be the first woman in the NBA. And that's kind of been a thing. Mm -hmm. But would you, how would you feel about my second husband being uh, an NBA guy? I would love it. It would be amazing. I want you to be with whoever you love the most, <laughs> assuming I'm dead. Like seriously. No, no, it, this is if you're dead. Even if I'm alive, I want you to be with whoever you love the most. And part of the romantic part of this whole relationship is, I like to imagine it's me. It is you. And here's the thing. That's the best thing about being in a marriage in which you love your partner because you are choosing them, you know, not just through your dating times, but when you get married, when you get engaged, you're telling that person that you are choosing them. I want to be but with you. But sometimes people have to settle. Well, they, do, so they don't have to, but they feel like they should. Well, like you are a very hot woman. So you have your pick of the litter of anyone. So you loving me. Here, here's, but look at 
my let me finish past my thought here. History. Let me finish my one damn thought. <laughs> you have your pick of anyone in the world, pretty much you want, barring a few maybe super famous people. So you loving me, I believe it. I'm like, gee, she wants to be with me. I believe it. But me loving you isn't as believable because of that reason. Because it's like, of course, that guy's taking her. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you're an incredibly talented, very sexy guy. And I think that it's equally as easy for you. Shane has a history, and I will say, of dating very hot. Just like generally speaking, everybody would agree that these women have been very hot. Two words, neg theory. Oh, get out of here with that. Just walk in. I'm like, you're too tall for me. And they're like, I watch him. <laughs> like, you're like my sister. How did you neg theory me? I did. One, I'm kidding. I don't neg theory. By the way, this is, if you've never heard of that, this is a strategy some men actually use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe and, it or not. I, yeah. I'm not even saying it's ineffective. Yeah. Because I've seen people do it to some success, but I, I just don't do it because I'm, I'm not like that. Yeah. Uh... What did I use on you? We just got set up on a date. And, just, I, and I'm decent on one-on-one dates. I am. Oh, you're what, great. Where you know, you, you're very good at a, a date. You're very funny. You can lead the conversation. There's never really a dull moment because with you too, it's very easy to make conversation or like there's nothing's really awkward because mm-hmm. you just laugh things off so quickly and you are very confident, I think, on a one-on-one date. Which makes it so easy. With certain people, and I think you are very easy to talk to. Your whole MO is trying to make people comfortable. So that that is easy. But wait, sir, I got lost. What the hell are we talking about again? Uh, we were talking about my second husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, NBA player. Okay, him. and just because uh, I, I want to know, who do you think in the NBA current players would be the most my type and I'd be the most their type? Like, who do you think in the NBA I'd be the most compatible with? Hmm. Okay, let me think here. I don't know a ton of their personalities, but someone you could actually be with on a serious relationship and not just like hot bud bone level. Can we go all time? Uh, No, stick to current because if you do die, I'm going to keep this person in mind. So they have to be in the NBA now? Well, you know what? I guess even if he's retired, he'd still be able to teach Lou how to ball and teach her the ins and outs, right? Yeah. So Okay, so retired players. I'm going to cut out all this pausing because I actually want to really think about Mm -hmm. this. Okay, I'm going to say JYD, who's junkyard dog for people who uh, aren't good with acronyms. Let's see what he looks like. I can't bring it up to my mind. And he's a guy you at first might be like, oh, he's not hot enough for me. I'm Alexander. I don't think that, by the way. Well, you wanted to see what he looked like. Well, yeah. I think if you're setting me up with somebody, I'd want to see what they... Okay, not bad. Let me see. So, yeah, I think he would be really good for you. And the reason I'm saying that is because you guys actually kind of look alike. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to take offense to that. So I look like Jerome Williams. Well, you have that big smile and you're similar. Like, it's not dissimilar nose. Shane. His is larger, but he's a goofball. He's a totally morally uh, intact player. Is he? Yes. Because that's important family, to me. Because- family man, the nicest guy, funny High energy, up for a laugh. I think you guys would get along. Do you know what his uh, scoring I mean, average per game was? He was a hustler too. Oh, and that, I like that. He was a fan favorite. He was like Rodman without the controversy and like almost like a professional wrestler on the court. Right. You guys would get along crazy and have amazing athletic kids who would be 
way more likely to be in the NBA, obviously. Than so in, in this case, if we were having kids together, you'd need to die like this year. Who knows? You could, st- <laughs> you could still have two of my children. And with a person with an income like that, four kids isn't that much. You'd at least have one more. You'd oh, want it yeah. for the experiment alone. You'd want to be like, well, let's see what this chemistry can produce. How old is he now? I think he's in his, he's probably 44. Oh, okay. That's doable. Yeah. Yeah, that's doable. All right. So, you know, I like the. He might be closer to 50. That's all right. Okay. Yeah, I like the good moral values because that would be my one fear with NBA guys is that I hate uh, traveling men. So actually, the fact that he's retired would probably be best for me because I think if I had a guy on the road, I'd be like, okay, well, either I'm traveling with you to every single game or this just isn't going to work. So I think a retired NBA player would be the way to go. I cannot stop thinking about the audience listening to this right now. Just moms looking for advice. (laughs) (laughs) First 30 minutes, just NBA talk, who'd you rather? Well, I think, you know. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I like picturing the audience listening to this. Ask your husband for a blessing in case he gets, unfortunately, hit by a bus. Once he's dead, just do it. Well, no, I'm just saying, like. Don't ask for blessing. Um, honey, can I be your <laughs> blessing to have sex with an NBA player if you die? Like, why even bother? Don't have that conversation. Obviously not. But I'm just trying to think about how we could work this into, you know, practical mom mm-hmm. tips. Unrelated. Uh, do you think this glass stinks? <laughs> it smells like wine. It smells like fish. Am I wrong? It doesn't, but the wine might be off. Fish wine. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but this is the Asperger's episode. And I am... Is that wrong to say? No, it is not. I am very excited because... Oh my goodness. The more I research this, the more I realize I definitely have Asperger's. I and can't believe it. I actually definitely don't think you do the more I, know, I and, research it. And people don't want to think that. But I was in, I was in the office looking it up before because I wanted to kind of... We're going to be talking to a man who has Asperger's, and a woman who's married to him. Mm -hmm. Okay, because people, especially people close to me, they don't want to believe I have it because... It's it's not that. It's not, and you have to get over it. It's not that I wouldn't want to believe that. It's just, I don't think you do. I know, and the reason you don't think I do is because I seem very with it to you. And I guess a perception would be that someone with Asperger's wouldn't necessarily be as with it or have as that wherewithal. They'd be more... In their own world in a different way, right? I You would think I'd be a little bit different than this because I seem to be emoting and I get your signals, right? Yeah, yeah. And those but are two at, but, big markers. So there's, there's things for me having it and there's things against me having it. Okay, so I looked up things people with Asperger's have. They, they have artistic interest. Big whoop, everyone does. Lack of skills. So a huge thing with people with Asperger's, they can't do anything. Shane, you can edit you can do work cameras that's very skilled i can i cannot work cameras i'm not good at anything i always tell people you're an incredible editor you're good i'm not an incredible editor i'm not i can do the basic and it takes me too long but listen to me (laughs) i have really no skills i always say this i always joke with people like number one thing before it was even had a hunch at asperger's I don't know how to do anything. I can barely get from point A to point B. I can't put together an Ikea thing. I can't uh, do anything with a car. I, I always joke about I don't about know how that. to do those things either. Alex, you have way more ability Okay, than I me. can put together Ikea stuff, but I, I think... Okay, so 
Okay, let me just continue because I don't want to get hung up on one okay, thing okay, for this okay. whole episode. But lack of skills, whether you believe it or not, it's something I've always joked about before I even was onto this. Poor concentration. Now, this is a huge understatement for me. I won't get into it because you're going to debate me all no, day. No, no, no. I think you might have ADHD and I think okay. that's what you have. Restricted interests. So I have obsessive interests over very strange things. Sensitive to light and noises. I find I am extremely sensitive to light and I get scared by noises way more than anyone else of my age. Anyone, maybe three-year-olds get more scared by noises than me, but anyway, repetitive routine. I get thrown off if something is out of routine. For me, I get, if anything changes, I'll get very upset. That's true. And overly, That's like true. I don't like that. Uh, tend to be in their own world. I remember my boss, like uh, someone was asking in the work office why uh, why I'm so strange or something, and Randall just said, oh, he's in his own world. And I do think people think that, the exception being people who know me very well. Right. Have difficulty coping with change. Yes. Socially isolated. I am the most socially isolated person I've ever met in my entire life. I just cannot fit in in social situations at all. Delayed motor development trouble writing and printing even into adulthood <laughs> and difficulty tying their shoes that like a lot of people have bad handwriting mine is unconscionably bad mm -hmm. and i don't i have very hard time tying my shoes poor skills when it comes to learning how to ride a bike swimming and skating to this day i do not know how to ice skate i tried to learn i couldn't pick it up riding a bike traumatized me for the rest of my life because my dad was so frustrated trying to teach me to ride a bike but you you used to ride bikes all the time I as did, an adult i did but it i i learned it way too late and then once i could do it i became obsessed with my bike and i had to do it without my dad teaching me or my parents because my parents couldn't teach me right. because i was so slow my dad yelled at me so bad for that and it really traumatized me and made me never want to have anyone teach me anything i've actually talked about that with you you have before uh What's it? Uh, gets uh, really hypersensitive to certain fabrics. So if you find clothing you like, you tend to just get it over and over again. My underwear and my clothing always has to be kittenace and the special type of under underwear. I have okay. Adults with Aspergers have trouble distinguishing feelings, and because they find it hard to recognize their own feelings, they focus on what they do recognize. Reasoning. For me. I have a lot of trouble understanding how I feel, but I always rationalize on how I should feel on certain things right. because often I'm not actually feeling the things I should be feeling. Okay. Like being upset at someone or something, I'm very forgiving for that reason because I don't know how to actually feel right. angry at someone. And that's why I'm very good at getting over arguments because I don't actually know how to properly be steaming or fuming. And then they, most importantly, people with Asperger's seem to find relief in the diagnosis. For me, I'm so relieved to know I have Asperger's because I'm like, finally. But you have not been diagnosed. I know, but I'm doing a personal <laughs> diagnosis and I'm like, thank goodness. Uh, so ironically, even looking at and finding relief in the diagnosis is furthering my assumption that I do have it. Okay, articulate people are usually their best friends. Throughout my whole life, my best friend has always been the most articulate 
person in the room, people a little bit ahead of their time, people very good social skills, because I use them as a crutch right. when I'm in social situations. Uh, lack of work flexibility or surprises. So if anything changes, I will go go in an extra day early to work or yeah. just make sure because I'll be so scared of which you're doing tomorrow. Things. I am. Uh, have trouble following when people are talking. Huge problem for me. I will totally get lost unless I concentrate so intently on what people are saying. So I'm over paying attention to people. Movies, I can't follow the plot. I can't remember characters' names. I, ju I just need to watch things over and over and over again before I finally even understand it. And I have extreme fear in social situations. But yeah, so all, these are all the things for. I guess the things against would be I'm, I don't have extreme skills with I don't, statistics no, I, I don't or mathematical problems. Like I'm not good at I those. I don't think that that would be the way to look at it. I think the way to look at it would be that everybody feels these things to a degree. And I think that sometimes when you're feeling them, it can be a very isolating thought. And it's like, wow, why am I so weird that, I, that I'm thinking this, that I'm feeling this, or I'm having a hard time with this? And it's easy to get caught up in that thought because you don't know what's going on in my mind in certain situations or other people's minds. And you don't realize that a lot of other people are having a hard time with it. Like I remember, what was the situation? I was telling you about something that happened and about being like, for example, like being stuck with somebody somewhere in a, in a confined space and having to make small talk. Mm -hmm. And I typically really like, I, I don't mind making new friends, making small talk with people. But sometimes it can be so high stress. And I was but telling you, like, I was like sweating sometimes. and I couldn't. Everything happens to people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Here's when you get in a problem. Like you have accidents sometimes. You drop stuff a lot, but right. it's still only sometimes. What, what it becomes a problem is if I'm feeling this way all the time. Yeah. In every single social interaction of my life, unless it's people who are vetted or I'm comfortable with, I am so uncomfortable mm -hmm. that I will not go to the washroom to avoid people. I will not get a glass of water even if I'm so dehydrated I'm feeling ill. Right. So it's like if, if I had like let's say every time I went to the kitchen I dropped a glass. You would say, oh, Shane is beyond clumsy. This is actually a clinical problem that he's dropping the glass. And But you, if I told you I drop glasses a lot, like a <laughs> lot, you might say, Shane, Everyone drops glasses. I'm very clumsy. What I'm telling you is this transcends normalcy. Right. I know this because someone also messaged me from my other podcast and they were saying, if it affects your day-to-day -day life, that's how you know it's a problem. Right. Awkwardness affects people's life sometimes. Everyone hates an awkward moment. This is my day-to-day, -day, every moment at work, I'm feeling so tense and awkward and uncomfortable. And I, I always had thought autism or Asperger's is like, you're so unaware that you don't even feel awkward because right. you're like a robot. Now I'm learning that there are people actually who feel it even more. Well, because it's not, and I think what's become more clear to you too in this kind of research is that, you know, we don't, the term Asperger's on its own isn't even really used anymore because it's all just ASD spectrum. Mm -hmm. And the spectrum obviously signifies that there's varying degrees of it and you just think that you might be one degree on that spectrum. But I think I'm deeper than people might think because people who know me can get, because because I always attach myself to fairly popular people, 
and people good in social situations, I'm always, I'm like a barnacle. I'm able to kind of go along for the ride and become popular by proximity. Yep. And that's what I've done my entire life is a a great workaround from actually being (laughs) truly popular on my own. Yeah. Like I went to a, um, another high school for grade 15 and I was (laughs) (laughs) like, I did a lot of, I did a lot of high school because I do obviously struggle in school and I didn't make one friend. Not one person right. would say hi to me. Not one person to have lunch with. So my entire lunch hour, I would just walk around alone and come back. And not one friend on an entire school year. That's strange. Not one person talked to me in right. an entire school year. That's odd, right? Whereas you would, I would imagine, be chatting with and making friends. Of course. But again, I'm like hyper social and I know, I'm uh, extrovert. I know introverts who are able to find another introvert and befriend them yeah well anyway it's all very interesting and i am excited for you to get the chance to talk to uh this guy named chris when are we talking we've to got these people? soon uh eight o'clock we have oh. another call to do first oh we do okay let's do that who are we who are we calling first uh, i just gotta go to the washington post okay one number one or two one nice Okay, so uh, we are going to be calling a woman named Laura Palumbo. She is another Hamilton mom who I met at a coffee shop during mat leave. And she has done some work for us, actually, that you guys might recognize. So for it was your birthday and Lucy's shared birthday, right, last year? Mm -hmm. She is a writer and she is a sketch artist. So I got her to sketch a picture of Shane's face and Lucy's face that I put on sweaters. Uh, It said, name a more iconic duo. They looked amazing. The best t-shirt and sweater combo ever. And then Laura also did a sketch of Lucy and I that I put up every single time we have a new podcast. I'm like, new podcast up, check it out on Apple, Spotify. You guys will see it every single week. And Laura did that awesome sketch. That's a good sketch. Yeah. So we are going to talk about being an entrepreneur, running your own business, and being a mom. Did you start her career or like be the first domino to fall on that? Or is that a lie? She No, she was sketching for a while. I want to ask her about this too. That's one of the questions I have for her. But I think that we were the first people to commission her to draw a piece or I was the first person to commission her. And then people kind of maybe saw her work through yours and now she's like, owes her career to you? Oh, I like us? that. <laughs> I like that take on it. Yeah, we can ask her if that's true. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to get on the line with Laura. Hello. Hey, Laura. This is Alex and Shane. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? So good. good. Thank you for uh, making some time for us tonight. So I just told the listeners how you are a writer and a sketch artist and they'd recognize your work because I put it up every single week when we have a new podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's the best. Um, but I wanted to ask, so what is your, like, what's your what's your day job? Is it sketching or is it writing? Um, it's kind of both, and it's changed a lot. So having a child, I used to work in TV and film for the last, like, seven to eight years. Right. Um, and what, then what did you do in TV and film? Um, my last credit i was an associate producer so i've had a lot of jobs (laughs) i've always wondered what does an associate producer actually do i've never understood it (laughs) it basically so depending on what it was so the last thing i did was a movie um and i helped to uh basically adapt the, the script okay um because as you're making a movie things change so you might have to change locations, you might have, and that'll affect the script. Things don't always happen the way it's originally written. 
So you have to go along with that. You really help to produce. You're basically the liaison between like creative and money. And so, you know, if the director wants to make something happen, you figure out how to do that and you work with the producer who is ultimately the person that has the money and usually doesn't want to spend it. And so you have to plead for it being, you know, a lovely thing and worth fighting for. And then also, how are we going to do it? So you make sure that those things happen so that the director can focus on directing. So now you're out of that world. Well, yeah, I decided I was very pregnant or I, I knew I was pregnant and there were a couple shows coming up and I was... I live, you know, like you guys, uh, a bit of a distance from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, where a lot of things were filming, mostly in the east end of Toronto. And I didn't want to be extremely pregnant and working 14 hour days. The other piece of being an associate producer is that you you never stop working. So I can you imagine. leave the set, you go home and you're answering emails and then you wake up with more emails. And so I just thought, do I want to have this level of stress in my body? And I don't want to create like another me. <laughs> I could not imagine doing that not pregnant. Never mind pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a lot. And so I decided to, you know, put a hold on that and see what was going to come. And now 18 months later, um, my daughter is 18 months uh, as of this week. And I'm, I've decided to change and change careers a bit. So I focus now on like drawing and I still write sketches. I still, you know, I'm trying to push for different shows, um, but that's a very, you know, job that I can do on my own and not on a set, and I don't know if I'll go back. Um, but I also work at the library, so that's been a real shift for me. So I, I do a lot of different jobs. <laughs> when when did you start working at the library? They kindly hired me when I was six months pregnant and oh, decided no not to work in TV. Yes, I, I love the library. I will always vote for the library being the best. That's and, amazing. What, yeah. do you, what do you do at the library? Um, I <laughs> talk about being a liaison. I basically allow, uh, I liaison with people and I, they come in and I just, uh, give them their library card. It's a very like relaxed job mm-hmm. that you, yeah, that you kind of don't take home with you. So that allows <laughs> for more creative work then too. Yeah. So I don't work full time, um, because I still like, I need to have a, a creative piece of my life. And I and I started this business, and that also keeps me busy. So I've just gone back to work to, at the library. So now I'm learning a lot about how to balance all of these things. <laughs> Is it um, true that we were the first people to commission you? Like, yeah. Were yeah, we really? I want. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because I thought I yeah. I remembered you saying something like that, but I wasn't. I wasn't sure. And I wanted to know. Yeah, you were. You totally were. I mean, I was just um, doing my thing and wasn't sure. And then Alex had said, oh, you know, I think it was it was for was it for Father's Day? Yeah, well, it was either for Father's Day or Shane and Lucy's shared birthday. It was birthday. for my birthday. Yeah, it was the birthday. That's right. OK, I remember because there was the, the little Lucy piece there, too. Yeah. And that was my business was very new at that time. Um, it wasn't actually even a business, really. Wow. Like, and so, yeah, see, I think you guys made it a business. So do you owe I, everything to us? <laughs> I think so. I think, is this what this call is all about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, lawyers secretly on the call, yeah. call too. <laughs> That's actually exactly it, Laura. Um, <laughs> so when did you decide to, like, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. So you're a new mom. You have recently kind of, you know, thought about getting out of the work that you know, which is TV work and writing and producing. And now you're thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm a good sketch artist and I like to do 
sketches. What made you decide to turn that into a business? Because that's a huge endeavor when you're dealing with raising a new kid. And Maya was your first. So this is everything's new to you. Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I'm generally the kind of person that likes to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always kind of been that way. Um, I needed a creative outlet. She was probably maybe eight months at that time. And I started doodling. I still always consider myself more of a writer than I do like an illustrator, Mm -hmm. even though I do so much drawing. But I needed to get something out and, and started doing and feeling like I was creating again. And then basically, like, you guys really liked your, <laughs> your thing and, oh, yeah. like, your, your illustration, and that was really great. And then people started asking me for different things, and I started creating more and more. And then I realized, I think it was, oh, I remember. So I did your sketch, and then Father's Day was coming, and I thought, I can make a really, like, quirky Father's Day card. And um, a local coffee shop took a chance on me and took the cards. And started selling them, and they sold really well. And is that is that Red and, Church Cafe? Yeah, so they they still stock my cards. They we now are doing like Valentine's Day cards, so it's like nice. sort of we're almost full circle. We're almost getting the Father's Day again. And I just realized I can totally do this. And it was hard to. My husband's a really big supporter mm-hmm. of mine, and and I just found it was something like it's very relaxing for me at least to work. So I would do it in the evenings. And she, my daughter would go down to bed um, or she was napping. Um, it could be a bit hard to handle at some points. Like I definitely spread myself a little thin at times trying to create a bunch of cards. And I just got really excited and maybe did a lot more than I should have. <laughs> well, that's that's a big leap of faith that you have to take, like not only in yourself, but the people around you, like family members and things like that to say, you know what, I'm just going to change pace completely and try to make a living doing this. And that's huge. What was the what was the support like around you? Like did you have any people who were worried about that, especially being a new mom, or was everybody on board? Um, definitely worried. Like my best friends were like, Oh, are you making a new thing a job now? Um <laughs> that tends to be what I do, you know, like you know, with like running, turn that into a job. It's now like a fun club. But um, so I have to check myself. My husband's really good at being like, are you spending more money than you're getting? And, you know, it's just so annoying to hear, but he's right. And so I was really like, he was supporting me, but also was like, you know, don't, don't go so crazy. Like you, you your mental health is obviously still important. So, mm-hmm. but I also think that there's something to say about, you know, just, putting yourself out there and and you need to explore a bit. So this year I'm calling everything back. I'm like, okay, I did a bunch of different things. I did mugs and tote bags, bags, and now I'm sort of focusing on what can just kind of be its own revenue stream, right? you know, signature cards. And at the moment, I'm also now animating um, a music video for someone. So it is more, I know, I know, it's crazy. So it is like a lot of work, but it's, that's the only creative thing that I'm doing. Like I'm, because I have the cards in the background right now. So that's what I'm hoping to do is just, you know, not continually make new cards. If people try to ask me to commission work, I'll, I definitely want to help out, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I have to be a bit more You'd be selfish uh, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not just say yes to everything because I think that was, I was saying yes to a lot, not you guys, um, <laughs> of course, my, my, my dear first. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was saying yes to a lot and I was like, oh shit, like I don't have enough time. 
and I was worried about the work suffering and it not being really like good. And I would hate to put something not good out there, at least by my own standards. Of course. Yeah. When you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're working from home, I find a lot of people don't know when to separate when the work ends and maybe mom life begins or parenting begins. How do you do that? Do you have like an out of home office that you go to and then when you're home, you're home or how do you delineate the two? Um, That's a good question. It's really hard with social media. I think that's the biggest thing is that you feel like you have to put yourself out there so much and like reply to people and like things and all of that. And I think there was a time like, Probably in like the stump, like in within the first six months of having started uh, Sketchy Laura, that I was like, oh, I was on my phone a lot, and then I got my daughter started grabbing my phone, and I was just like, oh, and like kind of <laughs> acting like me, and I I felt like really cringy, yeah. and so I just yeah, I just started saying like you know when she goes to bed, which thankfully is like pretty early, I set aside a certain amount of time then, um, and I just spent the rest of the time momming when I could, and like also trying to nap <laughs> if oh, I could huge. at some point you know like just trying to separate that a little bit but it, it definitely took me feeling I, I saw myself like slipping into like okay I'm doing a little bit too much at the same time because you can't be paying attention and on your phone at the same time we tried to and I still do obviously use my phone mm-hmm. um but I try not to make it about the business I turn the no- notifications off That's so smart. it's only when I'm like logged in that I you know, that I can deal with that. And I, I just have this mentality that, you know, I'm not running like a huge corporation, but it's, if it's really urgent, you know, I'm sure someone will get in touch with me, but it's just cards. So maybe in a different business. Um, no, but I, I get yeah. that. And the, social media can be so demanding. Like I do this, I do this family tree on social media. And I found that when Lou was a little baby and she was napping half the day in my arms, if I'm just sitting there and breastfeeding or sitting there and she's napping on me, I had so much time to message people back and I was responding to like 75 DMs a day. And that's, that's a lot. Right. And like you said, like you don't want your work to suffer as in your art. It sounds stupid, but like, I don't want to brush somebody off if they're taking the time to message me. So I want to give them my time. I want to give them an answer that they deserve. Uh, but as Lucy's gotten older and more mobile, it has been so difficult to kind of draw that line and say, okay, I'm sorry, I can't get to these ones today, or I have to be more succinct in my answers, things like that. Uh, and it, it makes me nervous, and I still try to do my best, but I also turned off the notifications on my phone for Instagram, and I have found that so helpful. So now I have certain times in the day, like if I'm at work on lunch hour, uh, when Lou goes to bed and Shane's not home yet, when Lou's napping, and that's when I try to get things done. But that has been really helpful. But one thing that I struggle with still, and I want to know how you handle it, is on the toughest days, like your kid is teething or sick and you're exhausted, everything is just a pain in the ass. How do you find motivation to do your other work? Like, because it's all, it needs to be self-motivated. You don't have a boss, you're your own boss. So how mm-hmm. do you find that motivation? Um, that's a good question. I think... Um I feel like I like I I just I enjoy a lot of what I do, um, but there's definitely days where I'm like, oh, I'll just put this you know put this behind me. I have to create deadlines. Yeah. So like I'm working on something right now, and I I really I set the deadline back a week because I just even just the way my brain works, I need to know that like certain things are done before they're due. 
because I know that I'll need a little bit of wiggle room here and there. But if I don't have a deadline, like a hard date, um, but I don't know, like, to be honest, like I will, there's going to be times where it's like, even if you have a deadline, if your kid's sick or you're sick, you know, you you can't be everything. And Mm -hmm. I, I try to just be honest, you know, with whoever I'm dealing with, but in some cases you can't, you know? And so if, if I know that's the case, then I'll, I'll just have to like, manage my time a little bit better that week or I I rely on my husband and I'll just say hey <laughs> you know you might not, I have to get up early you have to sort of step up for, for this right now and I don't think I pull that card all the time <laughs> but you know yeah. we tr- we really try to balance it out um because he also kind of needs that for me as well he, he also works from home so well, and that can be difficult right Cause yeah in the same space well, yeah that's an interesting situation um yeah, no, I, I'm not very self-motivated. That's something I have to work on constantly. And thankfully, Shane's pretty motivating and he gets oh, on good. me. <laughs> so that's helpful. Good. But uh, yeah, no, Laura, what you do is amazing. And uh, I want to tell the listeners, uh, check out her cards. Check out the merch she has available because it is really great. Laura, where can they find you, you on Instagram? Just everything at Sketchy Laura. And then do you have a website as well? Yep, it's SketchyLaura.com. That's awesome. So check her out, everybody. Yay. Everything's fantastic. She obviously is a lovely person. Laura, thank you so Bye. much for coming on tonight. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And I lost the sketchy Laura sweatshirt. That was the gift. I don't know how I lost it. I've only worn it once. I I'm loved so it. pissed about that. But luckily, obviously, I have the file. And so... I, we can remake that sweater mm-hmm. because we do have the file. Okay. Are we on to Asperger people now? Yeah. I'm Ooh. just going to uh, go to the washroom again. Okay. Number one or two? Always number one. 30 times a day, number one. But you still do five times a day, number two. I do not. So this is a, a married couple. Uh, not a, a dating couple, I believe. Mm. Do they have kids? I'm not sure. All right. I, I, hold on. They follow this family tree and they don't have kids. Hold on. I hold like on. that. Please let me check because. We can ask them. I would, well, I just got to see my conversation. We, I'll, I'll ask them. Well, it might be something I should know based on prior I'll conversations. Ask. All right. Hello? Hey, Chris. Hey. This is Alex and Shane from this family tree. We oh. want to thank you so much for taking our call tonight through Joanne, your girlfriend. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Is Joanne also on the line, or is this just Chris right now? Uh, it's just me right now. She's just picking up kids' toys. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you have Asperger's, and if so, how did you uh, suspect it? How did you find out? Like, what were some of your traits or symptoms that made you suspicious? Uh, so basically, I was sort of just like, I guess I'm disconnected from most mm-hmm. things normal human emotion type things and stuff and i always just kind of thought i was a prick so did my wife (laughs) (laughs) then it's sort of like some things just clicked and she like took a test in the magazine one day and she was like maybe you should take it see and i took this test and i like got a hundred percent so yeah it like yeah it led into like going and getting tested just to find out right so what you you went and got tested by an actual psychologist because they're the only ones that can make diagnoses yeah it was a kid's clinic because they don't have anything for adults right and so i went to this ajax kids clinic to get tested and it was like yeah 
I forget the doctor's name, but basically went there and did what they would do for kids. But yeah, it wasn't really geared towards adults. Yeah, I was like 28 when I got it done. Oh my, That and were they open to it or were they like, this is kind of silly that an adult is doing this, but we're going to do it to uh, appease you? Uh, no, it's just all we got. So yeah, they were, they, I'm, I'm guessing I wasn't the first one to go in there mm-hmm. at a later age, but uh, no, they were really like, it, it did feel awkward. Like, yeah, I'm in this yeah. room and it's like all geared towards kids. There's nothing but bright, colorful stuff on the wall. And like, <laughs> like, yeah, no. Well, I wouldn't say no books I didn't want to read, but like, <laughs> yeah, just me and a bunch of kids, right? So it's a little, it was a little awkward, but they were, they were really like welcoming and kind and everything like that. I want to ask you things that I have and see if you have it too or can relate because my wife is very skeptical that I'm on the spectrum or even if I am, she thinks it's very, very mild where as I'm thinking, it's more severe. Uh, So do you find it very difficult to concentrate or follow the plot of a movie that's even mildly complicated? I'm all right with movies usually. Mm. I'm probably more looking at the background though and get distracted by things half the time than I am watching like what's actually going on. So I do zone out a lot. Yeah, I, f- I find I'm zoning out a lot. And like a, a superhero movie, for example, I cannot watch or understand. Oh, yeah. Can you, do, are you into superhero movies? Yeah, I'll watch anything. But oh, yeah, wow. I like seeing like all the Marvel stuff. And Okay. And- but again... Uh, I do get distracted easily, so I'm probably it takes a couple watchings of some movies to you know get through it. Right, and uh, social interactions. Do you avoid them because you know it's going to be hard to keep up, or you're going to feel awkward or make someone else awkward? Uh, I've learned over the years. Like I guess I didn't realize in the beginning, so I just like blurred out anything I would say, anything I didn't didn't really fully realize the consequences of my words when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I grew older, I learned to like curb being such a prick and try to get towards being like a better human and understanding things. But like, like now I I do avoid a lot. I would say like I don't like I guess I get like I get along with people at work and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day, it's like I could care less to hang out with anybody. I just want to do my own thing. Chris, when you were growing up, so like you were twenty eight when you got diagnose right when you decided to do that yeah. but when you were like in high school or even a kid did you ever think or did your parents ever think oh like that you you might be developing differently like do you know what i mean um no it didn't really like they didn't see much when i was younger or anything but like as i grew older like i realized things looking back on it now like mm-hmm. even trying to pay attention during school in college like if i got this done before i went to college it would help me probably get mm-hmm. through it so much more because you just sort of like i'm in there and i'm like today i'm gonna listen today i'm gonna listen and then i'm talking to myself in my head and then it's just gone and then 40 minutes is gone and i haven't listened to this thing so there's always that aspect yeah. of it where it's just i can't pay attention even people talking to me in person sometimes it's like i'm looking at them i'm watching their mouth move and i hear nothing yes that's so so it's so embarrassing for me because sometimes i will look like i'm paying so much attention but it's because i'm trying so hard but then my mind can actually be thinking about something from two weeks ago as someone's talking to me and then it's my turn to talk and i've realized I've I've missed key information and I will re-ask them things that they've just information that they've given me. 
Yeah, I give like two chances, and then if I'm not getting it after that, I just smile and say yes and walk away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chris, do you find that uh, since getting diagnosed, has that like kind of helped you get through things that you typically wouldn't? Like you said that you thought you were just a prick, but like so since getting diagnosed, have you ever does does that help in some way with how you approach things socially? It, I don't know if it's helped me so much. Like it's made me a little bit of more aware of maybe like I'm not fully connecting on a human mm-hmm. level. And I guess it's like helped in the relationship a bit because like now my partner knows that I'm not just somebody who's ignoring like purposely or anything like that. It's just, and like, yeah, yeah, I got to try with the kids, of course, and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like there's other small things like I hate being touched and stuff like that. And like things like that, I guess, and loud noises when I was younger. This should have been like little clues, but I wasn't like hitting my head off a wall or anything like that. So nobody really cared at that right. point. Like it was the 90s and there was way worse kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you know how to, like, did you find it hard to ride a bike or learn how to ice skate and things like that growing up? No, none of that, no. <laughs> yeah. Shane's, Shane's been talking about how he doesn't have any, like, practical skills and how he has a hard time learning new things like that that are tangible. But I find that hearing you guys talk and even Shane trying to find relation, like, on his symptoms to what you have and what you went through, mm-hmm. it's, it just shows that this is such a spectrum and it could look different for different people involved, right? It's like... Each oh, diagnosis sure, yeah. is worlds apart from the next one. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you were diagnosed, did the psychologist tell you anything to, like, help you or, like, teach you about ASD? Like, what did you find helpful that the psychologist would have kind of educated you on after that? They, I don't feel like I, I got, like, a booklet explaining. You got a booklet? I guess I, I could have went back for, like... It was a very large report. So. Yeah, it was, like, okay. a huge report. I got that explaining thing. Uh, like where I was, where they thought I was, and like there was an ADHD test I was supposed to take, and I did like a little bit of it, but couldn't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> they concluded that he might have ADHD because he didn't even get through it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be really cool, and like big things happen. I'm pretty calm, but then like small things like mm-hmm. can just set me off, and it's yes, that's yeah, like Shane. Weird. That's like yeah. totally like me. Uh, I'm so nitpicky or like prickish, as you would say, over the littlest things, but a massive calamity or something that would affect somebody emotionally very deeply, I kind of don't know how to feel. Like I intellectually understand it, but I don't actually feel it. Yeah, yeah. Chris giggles at like those moments <laughs> that are inappropriate, like. Like, it's like talking about, like, somebody dying. He'll be like, I'm going to turn around and laugh now because I'm not really sure what else to do. Well, a lot of times, because I can freak out over such minor things, people are like, "Uh uh-oh, Shane's going to freak out over this because this is huge news. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm just totally fine over massive things that affect other people. Mm-hmm. But the, some the counselor tried to help him with like kind of life skills. Like Chris can mm-hmm. clean a whole kitchen to a T, but like not wipe the counters. Right. Yes. Like something where so for me as a partner, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> but, so so then when I learned this, I realized he's not just purposely, you know, not trying to do his duties or like mm-hmm. to help out. He just right. actually doesn't see that there's like a hundred crumbs on the counter, even though he's cleaned 
kind of every other change. So Joanne, before you, like you, because Chris said that you like read the article or the quiz in the magazine uh, that kind of started the whole diagnosis process. Uh, before you read that and saw how that related to him, did you see anything that you would just say, oh, that's different how he handles this or? So what kind of happened is we were in, not an argument, but we were in like one of those kind of couples discussions. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually wanted to blurt out, I'm like, oh my goodness, like it's like you are. And I, I wanted to say autistic, but I didn't want to say it in a pejorative way. And he's right. like, no, say it. So then something kind of clicked in my brain, like certain things that, for instance, um, we were with his family and we're having a discussion and something he was saying was kind of starting to upset his father. And I said to him, like, you, you realize you're pissing your dad off right now? He's like, no, I'm not. And his dad's like, yes, you are. Mm. Um, there was also a time when we were in Montreal and he's like, this is great. I cannot understand anything that any of these people are saying. (laughs) And I thought that was super strange because generally that makes people a little uncomfortable if they have basically no idea what people are saying around him. And we were in this very busy rooftop patio Mm -hmm. having beers. And I said, well, why is that a good thing? He said, because when we're out at home, I can hear like a hundred conversations at once. I don't know what they're saying, so I don't care. And Mm-hmm. At that moment, when we were talking in the garage, I was like, all of those things were clicking to me, like things that he doesn't notice, or um, I'm on the, a more emotional side, so if he's not reacting, then now I'm pissed off even more. But, um, so it was just like all of these little light bulbs went off in my head, and I googled um, basically like an Asperger's test and found something in a Canadian magazine called Psychology Today. Right. Mm-hmm. And what happened was we both took the test and there were these ranges of like, you're probably not, who knows, and you might want to go see a doctor. Right. So I got like 11 and Chris got like 35, which was like, go to the doctor now. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> see, when- but of course, at this point, when you're 28, he's like, what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. No, and it's it's scary walking into something like that as an adult and kind of shifting your perspective on things. But the thing that from what like Chris said and what you said uh, that I find maybe Shane relates the most to is not maybe realizing repercussions of things that you say. Because when you said like Chris was angering his dad and didn't know, I've seen Shane making his mom and his sister real emotional, me real emotional and not getting why uh, and not even realizing that they were emotional until after uh and I, I think that's a huge a huge thing that i have been recognizing since the beginning of our relationship somebody at first it just looks like they're being very careless when somebody yeah. is like showing all of the signs let's say on your face um or maybe withdrawing a little bit so mm-hmm. it's kind of worth noting that chris and i were together for 10 years before oh, i was wow. like hey you might have this yeah. Well, and I think uh, like my mom is a special education teacher and she works with a lot of students that are on the spectrum. Uh, and, you know, she was worried about us talking about this just because we're not getting like a diagnosis made. But I think talking to Chris is so interesting and especially in relation to like what Shane's talking about, because it, it really does show how this can be such an individualized thing. And I think a lot of parents there and I mean, because it is a spectrum, some parents and children have a really hard time because they're 
their ASD, you know, is on the severe side. And it really is such a struggle. But I think that for the parents who might get a diagnosis um, and are unsure about it, it, it can be such a reassuring thing to see that look like with work and things like that. And depending where your child is on the spectrum, like Shane and Chris are both functioning adult men with loving support systems around them. And I, I yeah, think I'd that, that could be a comfort. Yeah, I Yeah. So that's the thing. And in, in the world of, I mean, we're lucky in Canada, but in the world of socialized medicine, if you're not basically a huge problem, then of course, in the 90s, like Chris and Marks were fine, he didn't care to go to school, but he passed everything. Like, he's, right. he's a pretty smart guy in that way. So because it wasn't tremendously affecting his life, I don't think anyone would have ever called it out. But, like, the stories his parents tell me when he was a kid that, you know, the things that he would talk about were so, like, one-lined and focused, and it was like he was a machine. Right. right. And and just things he's told me, like, Chris knows a lot of sports facts and things, and I at first when we first met, I'm like, oh, like you're a huge sports fan. And he's kind of like, yeah, like I, I like it, but I really just need something to talk to people about that makes me comfortable. Right. So sports and music, he found himself like knowing these facts just so he could kind of melt into the mm-hmm. conversation. That's awesome, and and it's about it adapting because Shane finds ways to adapt as well. And, uh, like, that's been a big thing for him. Like, he over-prepares for a lot, whether it's work or socially. But that, like, over-preparation, the anxiety that he has for that definitely helps him. And definitely, whether it's he's on the spectrum or not, it definitely, like, helps to mask his internal struggles with it. Like, just from listening to, um, like, listening to the pod, like, Shane, you sound like you are much more anxious, where Chris is like, meh. Yeah. Well, that's why I actually thought I didn't have it because I do feel what other people, when other people are feeling uncomfortable, I feel it and I know I'm making them uncomfortable and I can't help myself in spite of that knowledge. And that uh, I'm so scared to have social interactions. But, But then I learned that sometimes people with Asperger's are on the spectrum, they do still feel, and it's not like as robotic as maybe you might see on like television when someone has it. But I guess yeah. it, there's so many different layers to this. But h- how do you feel with directions? Can like uh, knowing where you are in terms of like, like do you need GPS to go very short distances that other people might just know off the top of their heads or are you fine with that? I'm okay with, like, landmarks and stuff. Like, right. I'm not great at remembering, like, names of streets or anything, but, like, landmarks and stuff to get mm-hmm. me around as a kid and stuff, like trees or whatever. I'd yes. Yes, but, um, that's what I would do. Like, I do need more direction, like, like just living life-wise and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. That's where I actually, like... You exist on autopilot sometimes. Yeah. Like, we'll be going out somewhere, and then I'll realize Chris is driving to work. Right. I'm like, you gotta go left. He's like, yep. Yeah. And do you feel like you have no life skills? <laughs> um, yeah, my biggest life skill is every job I've had, I've lifted shit, so I'm really good at lifting. Right. <laughs> so, like, I got that, but, like, as far as, I'm not, like, a mechanical dude. I'm not overly techy. I like to, like, play around on the guitar, but, like, my focus is so all over the place right. that, like, I'll get focused on one thing for, like, a week or a month and it'll be really cool and then bam my brain will just snap to another thing and I can forget that thing for like a year and yes 
That's yeah. the same he'll as me. He'll go down like the rabbit hole with a certain type of book and he'll read like a bunch of stuff. And then next it'll just be like, the mandolin. This is what we're doing this month. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly like me. This is crazy. Okay, I have Asperger's. I've, I've decided. <laughs> Self-diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the highlight is that it's, I think it's benefited him in some ways, mm-hmm. like the things that he can remember. And for us, it allows like it just knowing that allows us to approach our relationship in a different way. And then also just in the back burner, we sometimes we watch our kids as well. Like our four year old sometimes is not so great. She's very smart, um, but she's not super with um, a lot of loud noises. Sometimes, like when we watch her, she started JK this year, so we watch her in group situations. Like we just wonder, well, she, she seems like a pretty normal kid thus far, but we are like, well, I'll just keep an eye out in, mm-hmm. in case she needs kind of a little extra support. And that'll and that'll be so helpful for you guys, kind of knowing that ahead of time that it could be a possibility, because the extra support, like as a teacher, I just know how helpful it is when kids who need that extra support get it. Like they are just so much more successful. For Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. I found this very insightful. Yeah. No, that was great. And, no, I'm uh, glad I could help for sure. And, yeah. and good luck if you're talking to a professional and just don't overthink it. Yeah, I'll try not to. I think I will look into it, though. Uh, much appreciated, and you guys have a great night. Yeah, guys, take care. You, too, guys. Uh, you guys too. Bye. Bye. Yeah, like I know you're thinking, oh, this proves he doesn't have it, but I think it proves I no, do. No, act- actually, I, I'm not thinking that because uh, really what stuck for me there was not knowing the consequences of your words because mm-hmm. I do see that with your mom and your sister uh sometimes and even with us sometimes like if we're arguing and you like you swear and I tell you I don't like it when you swear when we argue and it like really affects me and like it stays with me like the whole next day and we talk about it and that's something mm-hmm. that you need to work on I need to work on getting over things but you also need to work on knowing the consequences of your words sometimes and uh i also need to work on taking another pee so i will be this back is in a gym i know it's brutal i have now peed maybe four times since starting this podcast uh, i wanted to update everybody so last week we had two pelvic floor specialists on the podcast Uh, And they were so helpful in kind of addressing listener questions about, you know, painful sex, peeing a lot, incontinence, things like very, very common issues. Uh, So I had my first appointment with a pelvic floor specialist on Monday. And like I literally I'm, I'm peeing maybe 30 times a day. And it's really so annoying uh, it really cuts in a life. It cuts in at things and it's so uncomfortable to sit there and need to pee constantly. So I went and got checked out and I have first or second degree prolapse. So she said that my, my uterus hasn't moved up yet and it should by now, but it, it will soon. My uterus is still sitting low and it's like pushing my bladder down which is making it hard maybe to empty. So I need to work on my pelvic floor muscles again. And now I need to start doing those Kegels. So they gave me a bunch of exercises. uh, And hopefully that will help and get me ready for labor. But I really need to get on my exercises because it it is impacting my life like crazy. Boring. Back to Asperger's. Another thing that I thought 
uh, was really relating to. I'm kidding. Just let me say one last thing. <laughs> the one thing I was relating to was him saying him listening to conversations at other people's tables. I cannot stop doing that to the point where I'm focused more on other people than my own table. But yeah, prolapse, uh, that, that's no good. And I feel bad that you're paying so much. We've spent like 40 minutes on us. I'll edit it out. <laughs> so when the people listen, they'll only hear like two minutes. Uh, anyway, should we get to some listener questions? Yeah. Okay. So Go as Shane of Asperger's, yes. As parents who have described yourselves as being pretty chill with germs, how does the 2019 coronavirus outbreak make you, oh, sorry, does the 2019 coronavirus outbreak make you rethink that? I see a lot of people freaking out like on Facebook and things like that and it, a few people are in particular have been that I follow up and posting things nonstop about this virus outbreak. I do not feel scared of anything at all. And having just gotten it's over. A bold statement. Yeah. Well, at this point, I just I in Canada, like if I was in China, I would be more scared but in canada i just i don't feel any level of fear about it so i looked some stats up because uh, i just got over a really awful flu but the regular flu okay so regular respiratory flu that everybody gets like annually that's the real killer yeah so annually this is every season there are typically three to five million cases of the flu mm-hmm that's a lot. Five million. If five million people had coronavirus, the world would be like going nuts. Like people would start, you know, living underground and things like that. But regular flu, three to five million cases. Then there are 290,000 to 650,000 respiratory deaths every single year because of the flu. And that's just in the flu season. But 650,000, like up to that, deaths per year and this these are the numbers i think like average numbers for the past couple of years but that is a lot of people so far only 304 i went to like a virus tracker people have died from the coronavirus nothing that's nothing good riddance that's nothing and here's the thing the majority or possibly even all of those deaths have been in china and there are there are a lot of cases obviously it's growing exponentially but there's just under 14,000 cases of it worldwide. Again, mostly in China. And China has kind of quarantined itself from the rest mm -hmm. of the world right now at this point. So, no, I'm not too worried about it. And I'm just going to continue taking the same precautions as I always would, which is, you know, hand washing, you know, sanitizing wipes. But even if you wipes. wash your hands, the second you touch something else, all that hand washing has gone to shit. That's the thing. So baby free, sorry, baby safe sanitizer, wipes, things like that. But I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go overboard. What do you think when you see someone walking around with one of those surgical masks? They don't on? work. They don't work. All they do. Is prevent okay, you from spitting the germs out. Yeah. Right? So if I see somebody in a surgical mask, I'm thinking that they're the sick one. They're not trying. And I don't want to go near them because then I feel like they're the sick one because those don't actually stop viruses from mm -hmm. going in. They just stop you from spreading yeah, whatever those are you used have. to doctors and things will wear that when someone's very has an autoimmune disease or is yeah. uh, weak in, in their immune system because they are sick the doctor wears one of those not so he doesn't get sick so he doesn't infect that other person mm -hmm. but people have somehow thought that oh this is the ultimate protection against germs when really it's not very it doesn't do the job when it comes to germs getting yeah. through the mask 
Anyway. It's it's so doctors when they're dealing with somebody who has a, a contagious illness, they have to wear like the masks with like the respirators and things. And even those are only like a one or two time use. I think a one time use. So that's not really like viable for but regular I guess it's people. Better than nothing. I don't know that it is though. Unless you're the sick one. I don't know that it's better than nothing. Honestly. Everything I've read has been like, yeah, like they're not Right, because maybe it traps some of the germs and then it's like, got them, now they're in your mouth. Moving on, what's the next question? I feel like we spent 40 minutes on this question. Kidding. I'm joking. Okay, so number two. I'm starting to look as tired as I feel. Thoughts on cosmetic surgery, injections. Shane, you're in TV and you know guys who have gotten things done, cosmetic surgery, whatever. And just being in TV, I think that that is so common for everybody mm -hmm. uh so i think we can both answer this i want you i want you to answer this as a man too from your perspective uh like on men getting stuff done but like i get it i feel exhausted and i feel like i look exhausted especially the older i get and like i have lines on my forehead that i think about maybe once a month maybe i should do something here I haven't I've never I've never gotten anything done and it's it's honestly like exhausting the amount of ads that I see for like local places that do cosmetic injections they make me sick people look great coming out don't get me wrong they look amazing but first of all everybody looks the same when they come out everybody well, maybe gets not the same everyone work done. maybe just the people you notice and the people you're not noticing it's because you don't notice them well because they're yeah well maybe because they're only getting minor things to kind of help with sure. so, something that i might so i think cosmetic surgery actually gets a bad rap because you're only noticing the worst of the worst no not but it's not even necessarily bad it's it could be it look good it just looks like that cosmetic look like someone like for example kylie jenner everyone knows she's had work but right. she looks way hotter now right yeah like undeniably yeah. like sh men would say oh that's objectively yeah, hot no I, I, I then that's the thing but it is just so boring when i see and honestly like, these places one what do you mean it's so boring what's like, boring uh this place in hamilton uh mm -hmm. it's like really popular a lot a lot of people i know go there to get things done and they mm -hmm. all look great but the boring part is that like you know so many women will go in and get the cheeks Cheek filler, chins, mm -hmm. you can even get your nose shaped and their lips. But it's typically what I see is the cheeks, the forehead and the lips getting done. And the boring part is that they all looked unique and now they're coming out looking like carbon copies of each other with different colored hair. But a carbon and that's copy, boring. if they feel like they can look beautiful, might be like it's easy for you to say you don't want surgery. You're considered a very beautiful person. No, Shane, person. These, these women are beautiful. I've known them, some of them since high school. They are beautiful. They like should have and this is my problem with the industry is that it makes all women and men possibly uh feel like they need to get something done to be up to this one standard and like i've looked at the mirror like how would i look like with my lips done or with my cheeks filled well, you, or whatever you have big lips uh, i know great but, bone structure you, you you have a couple wrinkles on your head but you're still anytime you go in a room you're the hottest woman there so for you, it's a little bit different. Of course, you're going to be anti, but uh, and you, I've heard you say too, you don't like it because. But here, but I still consider it for my for my wrinkles. Sure, yeah, but I'm saying 
you often are like, oh, if it wasn't for this, I would I would look as good as these women too. So you don't like it because you feel like other women are catching up to your mm-hmm. crazy beauty, which you naturally have, right? So I I just, if, if someone like like me, I've got a nose like a witch out of a movie. I think about ripping this thing off every yeah, other day. The problem is that people wouldn't feel so down on themselves if it wasn't like these ads are like, be the best you. Come in and get, you know, our special of lip filler and under eye filler or dermal fillers, whatever of your choice for $700. Be the best you. Look like mm-hmm. your best self. And it's like, well, what's wrong with these people already that they don't look like the best, their best selves? And they wouldn't necessarily, a lot of these people feel the need to get these things done if they weren't like inundated with these mm-hmm. these ads and seeing well, so many people like it's mm-hmm. just become so common and i don't think that it should be this common or needs to be this common i, I just don't think it needs to be well nothing needs to be and a lot of men are influenced by being strong like if a guy we, we were listening to howard stern today and there was a man talking about how he's shorter so him having big muscles and an uglier face he he, he admitted he had an uglier face but having muscles made women more attractive attracted to him and that's not cosmetic it's something you put a lot of work into but it's also we we don't need big strong burly men like we're not moving boulders in today's society but this guy does it only as a sexual attraction thing Mm -hmm. and he gets it because it works the women are getting this because it is attracting men and if the ultimate goal of life is to be with a partner or reproducer of kids or attract your best mate then what's wrong with it yeah but here's the thing because then everybody they don't Everybody says like oh, I'm doing it for me to, for me to be happy and then cuz that's what it comes down to and it does mm-hmm. because it comes down to these people do well like would I want this not doing it for anybody else but would I but then it's like they you end up wanting it because you want to feel better about yourself cuz you feel like you have to get that done right. in order to feel what good if about I yourself. I couldn't get a woman like you unless I had a perfect nose then I I would want to be with a woman like you if I couldn't because I would like I'm in love with you and I like your personality, but you might never get to know me unless you were attracted to me. Because the attraction is a huge level to even break the ice, right? Mm-hmm. So some people you don't know that because you've never had any problem with that. But some people they have all the problem breaking that ice because they don't get approached by that man or woman at the bar. So they have to. A lot of men resort to working out like crazy, like an unnecessary amount. And women resort to crazy dieting or injections or these lip things are very popular. I'm not attracted to that. I actually think it makes people look older, even though it does make them look better. It makes them look older and it says something about their personality that maybe they're a little bit more narcissistic than I like. But it might work in getting me to approach them more. So it's a hard balance. It depends what you Mm -hmm. want. So is it my style? No. I would never want you to do anything to your face because I've already drank the Kool-Aid. I'm pro Alex. I'm in love with you. You've already won me over. I can't actually even see what you look like anymore. Like your looks almost don't even matter anymore. Do you know what I mean? So you, you know, getting I all get that, that stuff, I'd almost well, wonder I, why I, you're doing it. For me, I just do like the wrinkle stuff and I, like I'm not. But why? Who cares? Like, no, for I, me. I, I don't no, like and the perception that older means uglier either. I know, but that's the thing. It's like everybody my age now is looking especially if they're only getting botox or filler and not like cheek filler or not lip filler but i just mean like filler in the parts of their skin that are like losing collagen um if they're getting that then 
everybody around me just looks younger and more vibrant. And then I just feel like I look so much older than them. And then, mm. so it's, it's like that. And like we, you know, just seeing like Gwyneth Paltrow on TV or somebody. And she looks great because she doesn't get all the crazy lip stuff for the cheek stuff done but she gets botox and things like that and like she's she loves botox but she gets it done tastefully and she's i don't know how old is gwen she's 47 yeah 48. but her her skin looks great obviously her face looks great and it's just like yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not crossing off something for wrinkles but i would never get it to the point where I like can't move my can't make expression because I would never want to be expressionless but I'm just saying you know don't lose the essence of who you mm -hmm. are because I do think everybody's looking alike and it really freaks me out and I find it so fucking boring don't lose the essence of who you are look like yourself but you know if you want to get something get something if you don't you don't it's not my bag but just yeah don't lose sight mm -hmm. of yourself the only thing that scares me is if somebody gets it and then it doesn't turn out the way they want and then they're like, what have I done? And then they're trapped in a version of themselves that they don't like. Well, only for with fillers for like six months right, at so a time. Fillers are maybe worry-free. But I mean, a, a nose job yeah. really scares me. Like I've considered a nose job extensively just because I'm like, oh, I could be a really handsome person if I had a normal nose. And then... I started somehow attracting normal women that I actually liked and I was like, forget this, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Because I just want to break the ice with somebody I can actually fall in love with. And if I'm able to do that, mm -hmm. like there's a line in the Jesse Reyes song I really like that was like, uh, I like being ugly because I know that they love me. That's, I know yeah. when they love me, they love me for me. That's the way I feel. I'm like, okay, like I'm not attracting 90% of the people, but the 10% of the people I am, I'm in love with them and they love me, so I, they must really love me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I get it. But yeah, I, it's not my style. It, I forgot what the question was. But <laughs> the worst thing to me isn't my opinion on it. If I like it, it's if they like it. If yeah. they're truly feeling better and if they're gravitating t towards people that like them, and, and then it's, it's great. Do yeah. it. Yep. Uh, so the next one, what's life like in Canada? Uh, having discussions about moving to Toronto from the US. Life in Canada is the best. Do it. Mm -hmm. It's good. Toronto's a little bit more US-y than you might have bargained for. The people aren't as nice as, like if you're expecting everyone to be this nice person, no, Toronto, there's a ton of shithead, pretentious pricks. Mm -hmm. But but if you were if you were to like get citizenship though, it's like oh, you'd yeah. get the yeah. benefits of Canadian government, which in my opinion is superior to US. Yeah, and if you want the real Canadian experience, I'd go to East Coast. Hell yeah, Halifax. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And w an, another part that might be good about it is the difference isn't that much from the U.S. except for the yeah. uh, healthcare benefits. Yeah, it, but you, like if you're moving to Toronto, it big city vibes, fun city, fast paced, and it's like any other mm -hmm. U.S. city that you'll visit with uh, better healthcare and yeah, better benefits. Um, five. Do you let people touch your pregnant belly or do you get annoyed? That, I think uh, that's for you, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do you let people touch your belly, Shane? But do I let people touch your pregnant belly? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care. Like if, if you're a stranger coming up to me and like touching my belly, well, strangers shouldn't, I don't want them touching me anyway. 
But if I know you and you just kind of like go for it because you can't help it, and I know that feeling, like I was like, well, this this question's predicated on them being strangers, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It could be about friends. Like some people okay. don't even well, like. Let's when just say friends. someone in the grocery store touches your belly. What do you feel about it? If yeah, not if they just do it. But if it's somebody, even I know vaguely, like just a little okay, bit. Okay, you don't, I don't know them care. at all. Strangers know somebody that nice I nice old woman's like. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah, that goes. I don't care about. If somebody asks. Then I care way no, less. No, this person doesn't ask. A woman just goes, oh, look what you have there. Touches your belly. If it was just a little old lady, I couldn't care. Man with a boner and wearing sweatpants. That uh, man is a baka. The last, <laughs> the last question. Just ignoring me. Uh, do you find it creepy that something is growing inside of you? Clearly, I don't have kids yet. Yes, I find it very creepy that something is growing inside of me. Uh, especially since I don't have a, a, like a real big baby bump yet. Like when I saw it on the ultrasound the other day um it was very crazy to me because we saw like the perfect skeleton the kid was jumping around a bunch but yeah it's incredibly creepy you love it when it's a big belly though. I, I like when it's a big belly because then you just feel more uh connected and you could feel it and my hand's always on my belly because i love feeling the movements um it's but odd it's still having it's odd liking it more when the thing is bigger and realer yeah, but it it's it's still creepy because there's this thing like kicking you and hurting you mm -hmm. from the insides and taking all your nutrients, but it's just you. I think you're more amazed by it at mm -hmm. that point, and you're just so excited that that takes over. It's almost like you have a, a weird Siamese twin who's not you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a parasite like leeching onto you, who needs you mm -hmm. to survive, and it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. Okay, that's, so, so that's that. Shane, do you have any question for me? Yeah, uh, do you think I have Asperger's? Possibly. Do you, well, okay, sorry. Do you think I have it more or less than last episode where we discussed it? Possibly more. That's not very definitive. Possibly more? Yeah. More or less? More. Okay. Also, how do you feel about having to change our baby boy's name, our unborn baby boy's name, if it is indeed a boy? Uh, under the circumstances, I'm happy to do so. So we announced baby names last week. There was some issues with baby boy name that we're just not going to discuss, but, uh, you know, in the family, some issues. So, and they were serious enough to say, all right, you know what? We're just going to change course here. Uh, it was hard to come up with another one. She and I spent a long time today doing that. We read over a thousand baby boy names. Mm -hmm. um, like Shane went through the list of a thousand names as I drove. And I just like don't feel it with so many of these names. Oh, boy names are much harder. It oh was my very, God. It was frustrating to even read the name. One, it was annoying. you were being a little frustrating. <laughs> Why? Because I'd be like, Matteo. She'd be like, it's Matteo or whatever. Like, Matteo? <laughs> you, yeah, you would correct every single name or have a noise or something associated with it. So I was like, could I just read the list? And if you like a name, we'll stop and talk about it. But you wanted to nitpick every little syllable I, I yeah, said. Yeah, it was, it, it was a hard process. But I'm like, Josh, you're like, like okay, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we did. And here's the thing. Like, these things don't take much, much discussion. It's like reading through a list. You like this one? No, keep going. So like Shane and I have never been two people to argue or talk about names for too long. I think we both don't like that process but we did find one that we both agreed that we liked say it on three one two three jewels <laughs> all right thank you for listening to this, this family, family tree, tree podcast. podcast episode 24 bada bing